Welcome to New Destiny Christian Center's Message of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor David Verdecchio. If you'd like to find more information about our ministry, please visit us online at www.NewDestinyChristianCenter.com. Uh, Exodus chapter number four. And I've been speaking on what's in your hand, and I've been using as our main scripture uh, in Exodus, talking about Moses, that he's on the backside of the desert, and God calls him, tells him to go and set the people of Israel free that are in Egypt. And in Exodus 4, 1, then Moses answered and said to God, but suppose they won't believe me or listen to my voice. Suppose they say the Lord has not appeared to you, and the Lord said to him, what is in your hand? And he said, a rod. And so God took Moses, and we know the story, if you've ever seen the, the, the movie, The Ten Commandments, oldie, but I still do like it. A while since I've seen it, but you know, he, he took that stick and did a whole lot with it, didn't he? Turned it into a, into a snake, he threw it on the ground, it's turned into a snake. When Pharaoh's magicians did the same thing, his ate all theirs up. Amen, I thought that was pretty cool. Amen. God, God was the first sci-fi person. He, he invented it, and we just took it from there. Right? He raised it up. He defeated armies. He parted the Red Sea. Did all those kind of things. But you know, the thing about Moses that stands out to me is that God spoke to Moses to do something that was impossible. He told him, well, I want you to go to Egypt, the greatest, nation, uh, the greatest nation in the world at the time, and I want you to take all of their slave labor, and I want you to, to uh, walk them out of there. And all I want you to have to do it is a stick, and the fact that I told you to do it. And, you know, when you really begin to think about some of that stuff, it, it's, it's pretty wild what God has done. And so when I think about the situation where we're at, God's given us a mandate God's told us what he expects of New Destiny Christian Center, that, that he doesn't want a church, amen? There's lots of churches around, but what he really wants is a move of God that's touching the lives of men and women. He wants to see people saved. He wants to see the gospel spread throughout the whole region. And, and so you begin to do those things and you believe God. And for years, my wife and I have, have seemingly beat our heads against the wall and struggled and fought and, and did everything that you can. And, God brings some breakthrough and he gives us this wonderful facility and, and all that's involved with it. And, and we had our grand opening and it was a great service. And we had one service after that and then that was it. And we've had those times where we're talking to God and saying, you know, uh, you're not quite sure how we're supposed to do this, God. And I know whenever I say that, people just, they, they give me their flippant answers. But, you know, I got to turn a flippant answer into a real answer. And so it, it, it begins to go, make you go before God and saying, you know, God, what am I supposed to do? Because all the tools that A, I think I need, and B, I know you gave me, I can't use. And not once did God say to me, you know what? It's okay, son. Don't worry about it. But he expects us to do his will whether we have any of what we think we need or not, whether we have what we desire, whether we have anything in our hands or not, God says, this is what I've called you to do. And if I called you to do it, I will empower you to make it happen. But the only way that works, the only way it worked for Moses is he had to come down off that mountain and he had to begin to go back towards 
He actually had to walk in the direction for the call and the will of God, walk into danger, walk into difficulty, walk into hardships, and, and do the whole thing knowing it's just because God said, and therefore I'm going to obey. And so God really wants us to understand some of that. And I'm thinking, you know, God, I, I, I get it. I get the understanding. But God, how do I do it? And as I've been preaching this series on what's in your hand, can use anything. There are times when the problem is there's nothing in my hands. And I feel like I'm standing out on an island somewhere. Now, maybe nobody else feels that way. But sometimes that's the way it feels when you're trying to do what God wants you to do. And you're like, now wait a minute, God. I, I thought I had to do this, or I thought it had to be done this way. You know, and then on top of it, you got all the people out there in, you know, Twitterville. You know, I'm not a, I'm not a Twitter guy. I have an account, but, you know, I don't twit. Uh, you know, but you, you get all the different things that are out there, and, and people are saying, you know, the one that kind of struck me this week was, you know, pastors, don't worry, it's not your church anyway. And I thought, well, that's good for you to say, but I know what God told me to do, and he expects me to get it done. So, yeah, you don't worry, but there's still a matter of you're supposed to get in there and see God do it. Not just sit back and say, okay, God. All right, I'm going to move on here a little bit. I'm having fun. See, when everything is upside down, what do you do? So in your life, what do you do? Men, men have a burden. God created men to take care of their family. He created them to be the provider and the leader and these kind of things. So what do you do when COVID comes and they tell you you can't work? That's kind of the equivalent that's in there. That a man has that, that hardship and men always feel the pressure to provide because it's placed there by God. And so they, they feel that pressure. Now what do I do? God doesn't leave us out there with no abilities, but there are times when we have to shift and do things a different way and walk with God and figure it out. So I believe that everything's a demonic assault when it comes against the things of God. My life is quite simple. Amen. You got good and evil. God is good. The devil's bad. If it's good, it comes from God. If it's bad, it comes from the devil. My life really, you know, life is simpler when you, it's easier when you just make things simple. To be honest with you. It really is. It's a, it's a whole lot easier. So all this stuff that's going on, I believe, is just an assault from hell. It's an assault against the work of God, the things of Jesus Christ. It's an assault against the church. You know, they say things like, well, you, you don't need to meet. You can just broadcast. And we do. We broadcast. And all the people that are out there watching, thank God we're able to do it. You, you don't have to meet. Just broadcast. See, but they, there, there has to be an understanding that they say you can broadcast, but you better say what we agree with or we'll just take you off. Don't, don't say what's in the Word. Say what we believe is right. Say what our theologians say is the right thing. Not what you see in the Word. And, and, and it gives them an opportunity to assault the church. See, remember... The devil understands he starts down here, not up here. And the enemies of God, they'll shut down whole nations. They'll do whatever they have to do to get at the things of God. When you read your Bible, you read of a spiritual war. Like we have a hard time even imagining. 
But all around us is the battles and the fights and the, all the different things that are going on in the spirit realm. One of the things I said, you know, they tell us that you can have church now, but no touching. Don't touch anyone. I find myself walking around. I'm shaking everybody's hands. I'm thinking, oh, I can't remember who it was. There was somebody out there. I went, oh, I didn't know what to do. No touching. All right. One of my least favorite scriptures in the Bible, 2 Corinthians 13, 12, the Bible says, greet one another with a holy kiss. And I think... I don't like that one. I don't want nobody kissing me but my wife. You know, just, you know, maybe the dog, but that's about it. You know, kids, just, you know. I don't want whether I get into heaven, whether I obeyed the word, you know what I mean? I don't want God to stand there and go, you know, you obeyed everything but this one scripture. Should have let an angel give you a kiss when he came in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But the point is, you can't social distance. That's not, that's not what the word says. Okay? They're telling us no singing. You could feel the power of God, especially when we started singing that song there at the end, that you could feel the presence of God, the power of God, and the anointing of God begin to come. They say, no singing. Why? Because they don't want that. The devil doesn't want us singing. He doesn't want the power. No laying on of hands. Why? Because when you lay on the hands, you can see people healed of diseases and problems and issues in their life. You can see deliverance take place by the laying on of hands. And you see the empowering and the commissioning of men and women by the laying on of hands. That's why he doesn't want the laying on of hands. People touching people. There's no question about it. Tell you you can't baptize people. You're not allowed to fellowship. They're even trying to say you're not allowed to take communion. See, it's a spiritual battle. Ephesians 6, 10 through 12. The Bible says, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Amen. And just so you know, the Reverend Sharpton got it completely wrong when he read that scripture. Because he thinks that the people in, uh, in uh, principalities and powers, he said that they're politicians and stuff. No. No, it's devils. It's devils. See, we can't fix in the natural what's a spiritual problem. And the reason that's so important is I can kill something if I know what I'm supposed to shoot at. But if I'm shooting at all the wrong things, then I'm not able to accomplish what I need to do. Right? If somebody comes and breaks into my house, I have a few surprises for them. You know, they, they all come in numbers. 12, 40, 45. Right? But it's important if somebody breaks in your house that you shoot the right person. In a spiritual battle, it's the same thing. You have to know what you shoot at because flesh and blood isn't our issue. Politicians are not our issue. You can put whatever name on that politician you want to put on there. Doesn't matter what party they're from, doesn't matter what they believe in. They are not the issue. The issue is a spiritual battle for the souls of men and women that wants to overtake the body of Christ and wants to de- 
from God. It has always been that way since the start of mankind. The devil wants to overrule God and he'll do anything he can to do it. Does that mean everybody's doing right and everybody's doing what they should do? Of course not. But the spiritual problem, I'm, I'm running out of battery or something over here. The root of the problem, spiritual problem, and it wants to assault the house and the people of God. It wants to assault your life. It wants to overtake you and cause you not to be able to follow God. The devil hates when somebody gets saved. And he'll do anything he can to prevent that. He'll do anything he can to cause you to be sidetracked, to be put aside. Well, I, I went to church when I was little, but this happened, so therefore I'm not going to do that anymore. He'll do whatever it takes to cause you to be sidetracked and blame something in the natural that's really a spiritual fight. But when we understand that, we can shoot the right way. Amen? Hallelujah. So there's a few things that I believe are important for us if we're going to be the children of God that are able to stand and fight in these days. First one I want to look at is love. It says in Romans chapter number 13, starting at the uh, verse number 8, it says, Owe no man anything except to love one another. And he who loves another has fulfilled the law. For the commandments, you shall not commit adultery. You shall not murder. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. You shall not cover, uh, covet. Now understand, he's not saying that it's okay to do these things now. The author of Romans isn't saying it's okay to cover your, your neighbor's stuff now. No, he's saying that the commandments, and he goes through and listens and says, and if there are any other commandments, are all summed up in this saying, namely, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. What he's saying is, when you understand what love is, and you love your neighbor, agape love, and the way the Bible talks about love, when you love your neighbor, you fulfill all the law. It doesn't mean that it's okay to steal. It means if you're doing that, you won't steal because it belongs to somebody else. It doesn't mean you can be greedy because if you love your neighbor, you won't be greedy for what they have. You fulfill the law. Verse number 10, love does no harm to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. So I'm going through and I'm thinking to myself, there's different, all different ways of love and the world will tell you what love is and all kinds of people will tell you what love is. Some people will tell you that love just means do, you know, accept everybody for what they are and who they are and what they think they are and what they shouldn't be and whatever the case may be. But those things aren't love. Love is defined in the Bible and it's very straight, it's very good. And if we follow love, we push people to do better. When I raised my kids, I didn't raise my son to never have to work because I don't want poor little precious to, to, to get a blister on his fingers. I told little precious, get out there, let's get some work done. When you get a blister, pop it, put a band-aid on it, a little bit of duct tape if you got it, whatever you got to do and get the job done. There's nothing wrong with it because I understood that he's going to grow up to be a man and my job wasn't to raise a boy. My job was to teach a boy how to become a man. 
And that doesn't happen by niceties. You know, I grew up in the construction world, and, you know, today the construction world's a little nicer than it was when I grew up. When I grew up, they were tough. They were, I had an uncle who used to throw bricks at people. He was a bricklayer. They, they didn't tell me, you know, when, when I was learning how to mix cement when I was 15 years old, and I had to mix cement for all these bricklayers, and, and they're teaching me how to do it. When I made a batch that was soupy, they didn't go, oh, it's okay, it's okay, little, little darling, you'll be okay. We'll just wait a little while. That foreman cussed me out, yelled at me, told me I was stupid and I better never do it again. I never did it again. <laughs> I learned. So love is not just this passive, nice, accept everything. So what are some ways that we can love our neighbor? One of the best ways in my mind is to intercede for them. It's to intercede. What does intercede mean? Intercede is prayer, but a whole lot further along. Right? So to intercede. If, 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 if somebody was up here and there was a, a rabid Doberman pincher, you know, with all the frothy stuff coming at them, and charging that person, intercession, this is in the spirit now, but intercession is getting in between that dog and that person. It's interceding in an event. And when you do that in prayer, it's the same thing. You're, you're willing to get in there and the enemy is shooting fiery darts at your brother or your sister. The enemy is shooting that fiery dart and intercession is you getting in there and saying, I will stand in the gap and I will join the fight and I will stand until the winner is him. That's what intercession is. See, true love intercedes. Are you willing to get in between? You know, most of the time we just go, well, it's not my fight. I'll pray for you. Anyone ever done that? I'll pray for you. But we want to pray from a distance. Intercession is getting right in the middle. And spiritually, see, intercession doesn't need to understand. It just prays. Intercession isn't moved by facts. It just prays. Intercession doesn't need an explanation. It just prays. See, when we intercede, we are getting in the middle, and our love for that person says, I will stand in the gap. We have a friend that's uh, in, uh, he's a pastor in Lancaster, and they came down with uh, COVID and is not doing good, and I think he's doing better now, but he, he had the ventilator and all those kind of things. But when that thing got out there, when that, the, the message got out that this is happening to this pastor, there was this level of people that begin to step in there and intercede. Now, what's intercession? It's not, oh, I feel sorry for him, Lord bless him and help him. But intercession is when people stepped into that fight and they say, I will not allow this to take place. I will not allow that thing to take his life. Father, in Jesus' name, I break it off of him. And they begin to go in in the spirit and do battle and warfare and push that devil back. They said the other night he just woke up and took that thing right out. Whoop. But see, there's, a, there's an intercession that we're supposed to enter into if we love one another. 
that we don't stand for the battle. And we need intercession in our, in our country. We need it in everything that's going on. We need it for this COVID virus. We need it for all the racism that's out there and all the riots that are going on and all the things that are there. We need to intercede. Why? Because it is a spiritual battle, not a natural battle. And so when we intercede for the hearts of men and women, when we say, yes, there is racism in America. Yes, there are things that that are good. Yes, there are people that do this stuff. And so I stand in the gap and I intercede that God would get the hearts of men and women and turn them back to Christ. See, there's not one law that can be passed that will fix it. You can defund the police and it won't fix it. You could give the police ten times as much money. It won't fix it. You could take people, move them around. You can do anything you want. You can do, you, it doesn't matter in the natural. This is a spiritual battle that only can be turned spiritually. We need to allow God back into our society. All you've got to see that it's gone out is you're allowed to do a lot of things right now in this whole yellow phase, but don't go to church. It amazes me that there's a virus that can tell the difference between gathering in a line at, at Home Depot, but it can't, it'll get you if you get here, though. It's because they don't want people in the body of Christ. They don't want people in church, and there's an, but it's not natural. When people are watching and they're, 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 they're Karens and Cody's and they're looking, oh, are they doing anything wrong? I just got to see if they're doing anything wrong. That's a spirit that's behind them. It's not the person. We got to break off that spirit. See, intercession is love. Longstanding is love. You know, what is longstanding? Longstanding is when you stand and don't move. I have a child that, that, that that's wandered in life and getting better but one thing that he has said that he appreciates more than anything he knows where mom and dad stand he knows we're not going to move he knows we're going to be solid you know one thing that makes earth really good you want to know what it is makes earth one of the best places it can ever be gravity why is that because it'd be really weird if we were all floating around in here like we really know that if we throw a ball up in the air, it's going to come back down. It sounds so simple, but those kind of things, why? Because they stay the way they are, they don't change, and we have built a whole society around gravity. Engineering is nothing but taking things that we know and then designing around those things so that they can operate the way we designed them. But if something changes... If tomorrow gravity was just a little bit less or a little bit more, there'd be a lot of things that we'd be in trouble with. Well, living for God is that same thing. There's a stability when you stand, and when somebody goes their way, they know where you're going to be. They know where you're going to stand. They know you're not changing every other day. You're not moved by all of the winds and the doctrines and all the things that are out there, but you're standing firm. It makes a difference, and it's part of love. John chapter number 9. Verse number 1, the Bible says, Now as Jesus passed by, he saw a man who was blind from birth. 
And his disciples asked him, saying, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And Jesus answered, Neither this man nor his parents sin, but that the works of God should be revealed in him. I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. The night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. When he had said these things, he spat on the ground and made clay with his saliva. And he anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay. And he said to him, go wash in the pool of Siloam, which is translated sent. So he went and washed and came back seeing. So we got this story where Jesus is walking. They come upon a man that is blind from birth. He's been blind all the time. He's never been able to see. And the disciples, wanting to have a spiritual lesson, asked the wrong question. And it's a question that we can look at this story and say, yeah, I get that. But it's really easy to ask the wrong questions of God. Who sinned? Who did something wrong? Have you ever noticed in society, whenever anything bad happens, we want to find out who did something wrong? I mean, I, I don't know if you're that way, but I tend to be that way sometimes. You know, whether it's somebody that's living in an area and in poverty, and you think, well, somebody did something wrong, or somebody that maybe has a lot of money, and you say, we well, must have done something wrong, must have stole in order to get that. And you go all these different scenarios that you can go into where we want to look and say, who did something wrong? Jesus said, no, no, you got it all wrong. See, they asked the wrong question, but Jesus answered the right question. Right? He said, neither this man nor his parents sinned. That's the wrong question. But that the works of God should be revealed in him. See, Jesus understood that God wants to do miracles. And here's the beauty. If you never had sickness you'd never appreciate health. I mean, I've gone through a couple of those battles, and I don't like them, but you know what? It makes me really appreciate being healthy. It makes me really watch what I put in my mouth a little bit more because I want to make sure that I don't go through some of those trials anymore that I did to myself. It makes me appreciating that my God is a healer, that I know that if sickness comes upon me, that I can receive prayer. And in that prayer, God can bring healing and total, wash that thing away. Why? Because God doesn't, but you've got to have sickness in order to appreciate healing. So you've got to have devils in order to appreciate deliverance. Some people are just demon-possessed. Other people are just oppressed. But either way, you want the devil gone. And I thank God by the blood of Jesus Christ, we can cast out devils. We can push that thing away. We can send it away. But you've got to have some devils around to cast them out. And you have to have powers in order for God. Uh, you have to have problems in order for God to show you his power. See, sometimes you know somebody loves you because they do something to help you. I mean, when you're, when you're leading and you're blessed and, and, and you have plenty of money and somebody walks up and says, well, let me buy you a McDonald's hamburger, you kind of go, eh, okay, thanks. But you know, when you're really desperate and you're hungry and you haven't eaten for a week and somebody says you want a McDonald's hamburger, you're going to have a different response. Difficulties are, are, are there to God to show his goodness to us, to show his power to us, to show his love to us. And to show us his compassion. See, when you understand that the problems are just an opportunity for God, then you change the way you look at your problems. 
As I got older and as I began to walk with Christ longer and longer, I began to recognize that. When I run into a difficulty, it's not that that difficulty doesn't play with my emotions, but I tend to look at it differently now. And now I'll walk and say, okay, God, what are you going to do here? I don't get it. I don't know what's going on, but God, I know you're in control. And I know that you're going to show me, and I just need to work through it. I need to walk through it, right? The, the, the overused analogy of the caterpillar and the butterfly, right? The caterpillar has to go through a transition in order to be transformed into a beautiful butterfly. He turned from a snake with legs, a little cute little snake with legs, to a butterfly that can fly. But it took a transformation. We're the same way. Our problems are the cocoon, and our struggles are what cause us to be able to fly. Jesus said, I must work the work of him who sent me. Because the night is coming, and when the night comes, it's done. See, the church has to be the people of God that understand it's day today, but i got to finish it off. When I worked construction, there were times when I'd be pouring concrete. And we'd, we'd spend all this time getting the pour ready. We'd do a foundation and we'd get everything set and the steel set and everything else. But we had to watch the weather. Because if on Tuesday it was going to rain, then we had to pour that concrete on Monday. And so you had to watch and get the work done while you were still able to get it done. The same thing is true in the spirit. In America, we've become too comfortable with just being able to do the work. Oh, church is just going to be church, and then all of a sudden, the church all shut down. And everyone, whoa, wait a minute, what happened? We have to do the work while the opportunity is there. I believe we're going to see a reprieve. I believe we're going to see a turning. The prophets are saying, you're going to see a turn take place, and there's going to be a period of time where we're going to be able to work the work of Christ. But if we waste that time... Then when darkness falls, the door will be shut and we'll have missed our opportunity. And that's what Jesus was saying. And then I love it. What did he do? He spit in dirt, turned it into mud, and wiped it on the guy's eyes. Now, I believe there's a lot of reasons that Jesus did this. One of them, I think he said, watch this, guys. I can do anything. But he told him to go wash. And here's the beauty of this scripture. The guy went and washed. He said, yeah, I mean, this is Jesus now. Why couldn't Jesus just say, healed? And the guy's eyes popped open. No, he had to take that spit mud, smear it in the guy's face, and tell him, now the guy's blind. Go wash over there. But the power in this scripture is he went and washed and he was healed. See, sometimes we don't like that God tells us what to do and we want him to do it a different way. Sometimes we, we, we question what the Lord says. Well, God knows where I'm at. I can pray from home. You're hearing that one now lately, too. I can pray from home. You sure can. God bless you. You can pray from home. No problem there. Now, you've got to follow Hebrews where it says, don't forsake the gathering together of the saints. As will be common in the end days. Right? But you can pray from home. And so you, some people don't like that. Well, I just want to stay comfortable. I just want to stay safe. I want to stay all these other things. 
See, I believe part of the problem right now in America is we got a bunch of blind people walking around with mud in their eyes because the churches tell them they don't have to go wash. Now Jesus did everything that needs to be done, but we take out the last few steps and we tell them, no, 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 that's works, don't worry about that. What do you mean he said go wash? That sounds like works to me. And they walk around with muddy eyes, still just as blind as before they met Jesus. When his whole goal was to heal our blindness, to set us free from the bondages that we have. But you have to complete the process by doing what he tells you to do. Pastor Simpkins preached a sermon a number of years ago. He's got t-shirts. Sometimes you'll see people wearing them. And on the t-shirt, they're black t-shirts, and it just says, shut up and obey. He said, where they came from is he was was trying to, to, to do something, and he was with a friend of his, and he was complaining to his friend, saying how hard it was and how difficult it was. And, oh, it's, I don't know why it has to be this way. And his friend looked at him and said, shut up and obey. And he said, in a moment, he got a revelation and went, huh, you're right. I just have to do what God tells me to do. And it was a revolution and a revelation that began to take place. We're going to preach it all over the country. And it really is truth when we understand that. See, it's easier to complain than obey. It's easier to complain about the fact that we got mud in our eyes and we're still blind. Well, you put mud in my eyes, you'd think I'd at least be able to see. Matthew chapter number 8. I'll give you one more. Matthew chapter number 8, starting at verse number 5. The Bible says, Now when Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him pleading with him, saying, Lord, my servant is lying at home paralyzed, dreadfully tormented. And Jesus said to him, I'll come and heal him. And the centurion answered and said, Lord, I'm not worthy that you should come under my roof, but only speak a word and my servant will be healed. For I also am a man under authority, having soldiers under me. And I say to this one, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes. And to my servant, do this, and he doesn't. And when Jesus heard it, he marveled. And he said to those who followed, Assuredly, I say to you, I have not found such faith, not even in Israel. And I say to you that many will come from the east and the west, And sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the sons of the kingdom will be cast out into outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then Jesus said to the centurion, go your way. And as you have believed, so let it be done for you. And his servant was healed that same hour. See, faith in days like today has to rise up and become stronger. Now, I grew up uh, uh, and, and, and learned a lot of stuff back in the days when, when the faith movement was taking place. And I've had people ask me, are you a faith preacher? And I always think to myself, well, Lord, yes. I'm not a doubt preacher. And they've, they've allowed this, this, this negative connotation to come to faith. 
Right? You hear it in the, in the society today with COVID. Well, you know, you can have faith, but we got to follow the science. And I'm not anti-science. I get it. My mind works in, in, in numbers and all that kind of stuff. I understand all that kind of stuff. It's important for us to follow science. But there is a faith that counters science and goes beyond science. See, you have to live in the natural world. You have to take care of your stuff. See, when faith gets out of bounds is when people say, I'm just going to run up all my credit cards and believe God to pay them off. That's not faith. That's stupid. Right? Faith is not, well, I'm just going to, you know, I'm just going to eat anything I want to eat and eat all this garbage and all that kind of stuff and believe God to, to protect me. That's not faith. Okay, faith is not grabbing snakes in a bucket and letting them bite you. John wanted to do that. He, he, he was hoping to be able to... Right, that, that's not faith. Right, that's misquoting scripture in order to, to, to make yourself feel better or something. I'm not sure. But see, you have to believe God for everything. In today's society, you better believe God for your safety. You better believe God for your safety. Why? Because it is proven now that you never know what is going to happen. You might be driving down I-95 and run into a bunch of angry people, and they can pull you out of your car and kill you. That was a whole lot less possible a month ago than it is today. You have to believe God to, to, to keep you safe and to keep you secure. And to, to, see, we live in such uncertain times that I need God to protect me. Right? I got my numbers in my house, right? My 12 and 40 and 45. I, I got them in my house, but those can't do it all on their own. I need God to protect me. I do my part, but I need God ultimately to protect me. And that's faith. That's faith. Because, see, if you're not walking in faith, you're going to walk in worry. And fear will begin to, you know, for your peace. When fear grips the world, you need to have faith that God will give you peace. Because if your peace is contingent on what's happening in the world, you might be in a lot of trouble. Because from what I hear, Godzilla's coming next. And so if you're trying to base your peace on your job, jobs can come and go just like that. If you're trying to base your peace on your relationship with your wife, sometimes you act like an idiot. And things get a little topsy-turvy for a little while. I'm, I'm the only man that does that. I'm sorry. I, that's just, sorry, honey, again. Right? You can't have your peace based all on the natural. You need the peace of God that in the midst of all the chaos, in the midst of all the struggle, in the mix of, of all the injustice, in the midst of all the things that are wrong, the peace of God can rest down upon you and you can walk in the peace of the Lord. But that takes faith. That takes faith. In healing, it takes faith. It, it, we, one of the things we've prayed over New Destiny Christian Center, with all the COVID going around at the beginning, we brought everybody up that wanted to the last service we had. So you want prayer? We're going to pray a Goshen distinction on you. The Goshen distinction means everybody else can get sick and die, but we're going to be protected by God. 
And so we prayed for everybody that's in here. We've had a few people that, that, that got a little struggles, but we didn't have anybody that was greatly affected and we're, we're continuing to pray that. But that takes faith. You have to reach out in faith and believe for more. Because if you don't, fear will hit you and strike you down. See, I'd rather believe that Jesus is protecting me. Right? For prosperity. My faith has produced far more than these hands could ever produce. I, and you know what? There's been an assault on even saying things like that in the church. Because people think, well, you're trying to get stuff that's not yours. No, no, no. I, I don't take anything. You're going to get a salary just like you get your salary or your job. But I believe God to bless me and to prosper me. And to do miracles and cause things to open up. I walk the floor for it. Father, I thank you. You want to give me a little bit of property, Father. You're a good God. You can take care of this. Doesn't matter. You can do it. Somebody could walk up tomorrow and give me a deed to a piece of property and say, Pastor, here, have this 10 acres. It's good hunting on there. Go up there and shoot something and have fun. And I walk the well. And I walk the floor, and, and, I just, and I just pray and say, God, I can remember when I was making seven twenty-five an hour. didn't seem like I could make it. Well, I couldn't make it. It wasn't doing good financially. I remember walking the floor and saying, Father, in the name of Jesus, you can produce for me a good job. Father, I need a good job. I'm willing to do what I need to do. I'm willing to work. I'll do what I've got to do. But in the name of Jesus, I pray. And it took a little while. It took praying and believing God. But over time, all of a sudden, I begin to have doors that would open into different careers and I was able to go into more of an estimating and project managing career and I got in there and God began to produce in the finances and blessed me. Why? Because I had faith to do it. It wasn't because of who I knew. It wasn't because of what I could get in my head. It wasn't because I could work harder with my hands, but it's because I believed God to open doors that weren't open. So you've got to get in there. There's, there's some people in here, your business owners, you've got to begin to pray and say, Father, in the name of Jesus, in the midst of a shutdown, bless me. In the midst of people losing things, cause me to have more work than I've ever had, God. Do what you've got to do. And you begin to stand in that thing and speak the word of God and speak what he says over your life and stop speaking the negative and say, God, in Jesus' name, see, it's not... It's not, bla it's not uh, uh, name it and claim it, but it's standing on the word of God and saying what God says and allowing him to move. I used to have such a negative mouth. I used to walk around all the time. I got nothing. I got two, two nickels to rub together. I don't know how I'm ever going to make it. Living in this crummy house. Everything's difficult. Why has everything got to be so hard? And I would pull myself down. But when I got a revelation that I could have faith and speak the words of God and it could begin to produce in my life, then things begin to change. See, God wants to help you in these times. The people of God can flourish in difficult times. He wants us to flourish and be stronger and go further than we've ever gone. But that takes stepping out and doing it the way he said. That takes doing it the way he said. See, we have to love those who hate us. You want to talk needing faith. We have to love cowboy fans. Still struggle with that one. 
still struggle with it. <laughs> Sorry, brother. <laughs> but when we obey God, when we do what God says, he brings us good friends that love us and that we can love. Amen. Amen. I'm still praying for deliverance, but I love them. So we have to do it the way God says. We have to love. We have to love those that are around us. We have to love those that hate us. We need to show true compassion and love for people. We have to be people that obey what God says to do and complete the process. When he smears, smears mud in your eyes and says, go find a lake and wash, you got to go stumble around till you find the lake and wash. You have to obey all the way through the process instead of getting mad at him. And then we have to be people that rise up in our faith. I believe with everything in me that God wants 2020 to be a year where new destiny grows stronger in our faith, where we believe further than we've ever believed, where we see God move. But that's an action. It's things that you have to do. You, you have to step out in the things of faith. See, God wants to help us in difficult times, not sit in our house shaking like a leaf, but doing the will of God, breaking off the enemy. It's a spiritual battle. Don't fight it in the natural. Fight it in the spirit, and we'll see change begin to turn. Amen? Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message by Pastor David Verdecchio of New Destiny Christian Center. If you'd like to learn more about our ministry, please visit us online at www.newdestinychristiancenter.com.